In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. So, you always know that I tell you that, actually sometimes I tell you that Christianity is simple, and sometimes I tell you it's complicated. And I'm not lying to you on either side, because it's true. Sometimes it's extremely simple, and sometimes it's complicated, and sometimes it's a really awkward mixture of both. So, today, I want to talk about one thing that becomes problematic in the way we make our decisions. When I'm deciding what I want, when I'm looking for guidance, when I'm making decisions, there are two very clear messages. One is, I put everything in God's hands and I leave Him to do everything. And the other is, I become that good and faithful servant who is proactive, who is responsible, and who just goes and does it. Which one of those is it? Do I sit and just wait, or do I go out and act? I think one thing we need to realize is, in our lives, for most cases, in most situations, planning is essential. There are very few things in our lives that will just happen haphazardly, or should just happen haphazardly. I don't mean that there should not be any spontaneity, but I mean that if I'm on the right track, then my life will take a certain course that will not be random. But if I'm on the wrong track, or on no track at all, and just leave myself, that randomness could end up proving very, very dangerous. But any choice I need to make must be calculated and informed. Calculated and informed. And neither of those is going to mean that I deny God's presence. To calculate means I am using the intelligence, the gifts, the abilities given to me by God so that I can utilize them properly and I can be with Him. And I can embrace His presence in my life to the best way I possibly can. And to be informed means I ask, I, I seek, and I embrace things. Not just randomly, but things that come to me from the various sources that God may put in my life. But having said that, the spanner in the works is, there will always be a level of uncertainty. There are very few decisions, major decisions, or sometimes even minor, that we're going to take in our lives where it is going to be a 100% certain decision. There will always be a level of uncertainty, great or small. Sometimes it's very little uncertainty, because I'm 90, 99% sure. And sometimes it's going to be 50-50 at best with me trying to seek guidance. Whatever the case, to protect myself from that uncertainty, I need to work towards 
a relationship with God rather than just using him when I need him and getting my required outcome from him. For some, they will say to you that to plan almost means you have a lack of faith. It's, it's, um, it's actually concerning, it's disturbing. The number of times over the past years I've heard from people, no, no, but you shouldn't be doing so much planning, it shouldn't be so organized, because where's the spirituality in that? Spirituality is not haphazardness. Actually, a life of spirituality is a life that focuses on the presence of God. And the presence of God is an ordered presence. Our God is not a random God. He doesn't do things randomly. He doesn't present himself randomly. For him, everything is calculated. He will not proactively coerce us in our lives. He's not going to force us to do anything. But what he will do is provide opportunities and wait for us to take them. Then it's up to us. It's up to me if I take this opportunity and I pursue it or if I don't. So there is a combination of both planning but also leaving the outcome in God's hands. There is a difference between steps to something and then the outcome. I can always, I should always plan the steps, but I can never guarantee the outcome. That's why Proverbs 16.9 says, A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. So I can plan. I should plan. God has given us ability, intelligence. He's given us people around us. He's given us support networks. He's given us indications that I can use and plan. But then I need to let him direct my ways and my steps. Do my part and let God do his. God doesn't want us to be those who just copy him. He doesn't want to override our free will. He wants us to make choices. God wants us to make choices. Even, and this is the surprising part, because as humans, we don't make any sense of this. He wants us to make choices even if those choices mean that we reject him. Even if that choice means that, you know what, God, I really don't want you, then he's happy for me to make that choice. He's not happy with the outcome, but he's happy to leave me make it with the hope that I may return one day, with the hope that I won't always be lost, with the hope that, again, in listening for his voice, there will be other things that will direct me. But be very careful that 
we make a very clear distinction between what we do in terms of faith and belief and what we do in terms of superstition. Um, I am all for praying for things and putting pieces of paper on the altar. But that is not the only means of making a decision. A lot needs to be done before that, or after it. Thought, reflection, contemplation, calculation, prayer. I don't want us to just do things because we've become accustomed to them, but they really don't mean anything. So if we go back you know, three years when we were choosing our new pope, the final step was an altar ballot. But before that step were nominations, were uh, elections, were uh, announcements of who these people were and, and something about them, all of those things. We were supposed to pray about it. We fasted, we prayed. We went and we voted prayerfully. We weren't voting for a president. We were voting for what we thought our choice would be. But the last step, we then left it in God's hands. So if I've done all that in making a decision, that's fine. The first epistle to St. Timothy, St. Paul warns us in chapter 4 and says, reject profane and old wives' fables. Exercise yourself towards godliness. So it's not about old wives' tales. It's not about superstition. It's not about just doing things because that's what we've been doing for so long. It really must be, it should be about, what am I going to do? How am I going to proceed in a godly way? Seeking godliness, because godliness is what is important. Godliness is what will allow me to be on the right path. Because if I'm pursuing a path of godliness, then what that will do is it will give me comfort as well. It will give me reassurance. If I'm pursuing godliness, it will allow me to hear God's voice, to listen for him, and to hope that he is there. Growing up, how many of us would sit and at the top of our exam paper, draw a cross, right? That's great if it's done in faith. That's great if I've prayed about it and I use it as a blessing. It's not so great if I think that superstitiously drawing this cross is suddenly going to work a miracle that I've done nothing towards. You, number of people, I've, number of times I've spoken to people, and they've said, "Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, I believe because uh, I get my mom to bring me oil from church, and every time I need something, I'll do that." That's great if that oil is part of your journey and part of your faith, and you realize that as part of a blessing. 
not so great if you think that this is some sort of secret incantation that's going to create some sort of spell that's going to change things. That's not our relationship with prayer. That's not our relationship with decision-making. Our relationship with decision-making is being with my Father, whom I love, who knows me, and in whom I am willing to put my faith and my trust to seek His will. The first the superstition will always create uncertainty. Because I'm not going to be quite sure if I've cast the magic spell in the right order or said the right words. Because that's all it is, it's an action. But if that comes prayerfully and I know that I am in his hands, it gives me reassurance. Lord, I know I'm with you now, I understand I'm with you and I'm fine. Regardless of the outcome, I'm fine. We often have a role reversal with God where we actually don't ask him what is good for us, we tell him what is good for us. And we tell him very confidently what is good for us because apparently we know. So what's the point in asking? Imagine if you were dealing with a person who actually came to you and never asked you. They said they trusted you, but they just told you things and never asked your opinion. And even if you said your opinion, say, no, 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 but you know what? I think this is the way to do it. How do you benefit from that relationship? And how does that person feel that he or she is part of your life? So realistically, if we're going to do this with God, we need to understand that we need Him. We don't just need His decision, we need Him in our lives. I need Him beyond this decision. I need Him beyond this situation. I need Him beyond this particular point, because that is not the be-all and end-all of our relationship. What I actually need is Him. What I need is his strength, his wisdom, his love, his reassurance. And then, of course, as I pursue my life, everything will fall into place. St. Augustine warns us and says, praying to God, Without you, what am I to myself but a guide to my own self-destruction? Now, pretty morbid, but how many times is that true? How many times have I said to God, no, no, thank you, I, not really, but I'm going to do things myself. And how many times could that, if it hasn't, could that result in a huge problem? How many times could that give me reassurance at a personal level that I've prayed, I've put it before God, but actually I haven't. I've just been telling him what I want. It's been a conditional approach. Lord, I'm just going to tell you. 
But that can't be a way for us to make plans. Because if I really want to create and have a relationship, then I need to understand that God needs to be in my life, whether I want something or not. That's why we're warned, again, in Deuteronomy 8, 11, beware that you do not forget the Lord your God, lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. It's me. It's my ability. It's my intelligence. It's my charisma. It's my power. All of this, it's me. And we forget. You know, it's really funny. If we have a success, we'll chalk it up to ourselves. But if it's a failure, we grumble, why has God forgotten us? It's never the other way around. Very seldom do I say, oh, I've made a real mess of this, I've made the wrong choice. Or on the other hand, thank you God for doing this for me. But we do it the other way. One passage that I love, but it's problematic. Romans 8. And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God. And we all know that all things work together for good for those who love God. Now, why is it only those who love God? Is God exclusive? Is he selective? Is he only looking after his own? Do I have to run along after him like a boss, a worldly boss, so that he gives me good things? Is his provision conditional? Does he only give things to those who love him? Because, you know what? I see people having things, and it frustrates me sometimes, and they don't seem to love God, but how come they get it, and things happen for them? That's not the case at all. That's not why. The reason that all things work together for good for those who love God is quite simply Because in my life, if I am truly loving God consistently and continually, then I have his practical presence in my life. And I will only pursue good. And even if I have the odd setback, even if I have the odd time when I'm not seeking good things, I wake up to myself quickly because he's actually in my life. I realize that I need him because it's beyond, as I said, it's beyond just the making of that decision. So if he's in my life, if I love him truly, then for me, my perception will be that all things work for good. 
Because if I'm in his hands, whatever happens to me, whatever befalls me, I will see as being a good thing and a gift from God. Whatever befalls me, I will see as a blessing. It may not be exactly what I've expected, but it's a blessing nonetheless. How many times have you heard stories about people who have missed trains or planes and avoided things or not gotten what they wanted but suddenly they got something else or have been in this and work so they get that and, and just so much of it. And at the time, it seems really painful. But that's because I hold on to the thing more than I hold on to God. If I trust the person by my side and something happens, I'm going to hold on to that person and not be so disappointed. So if God is truly in my life, I'm going to say, well, what did Job say? The Lord gives, the Lord takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. When you read in the New Testament, if we live, we live for the Lord, if we die for the Lord, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. It's that level of commitment and giving ourselves to God that means that of course I deliberate, of course I calculate, of course I discern. But because I am in God's hands, then whatever happens, I'll be happy. To, to accept. Whatever happens, I'll be happy to take it from God's hand. It sounds very rosy, but if I'm going to have this mindset, I should understand that I'm not necessarily going to get the thing I ask for now, or indeed at all. But I'll be okay with that. Just because I pray for something, just because I feel something is important to me, doesn't mean it actually is. Doesn't mean it's good for me. Doesn't mean it's going to lead my life to the right way. And this may seem like an incredible mitigation on my part that says, you know what, I don't even think about it. I will do with whatever I get. So I'll comfort myself. I'll comfort myself that this is what God wants. But that's not, that's not an indication of a true relationship with God. The indication of a true relationship with God is, I really do believe that whatever I get is either from His hand or by His permission. And if it's from His hand, it'll be good. And it's by His permission, even if it's a little bit bitter, it'll make me better and stronger. Because he's never ever going to give me something that harms me. St. John Chrysostom says to us, ask constantly, not by composing endless prayers, but rather by telling him of our needs with simplicity. Don't make your asking conditional. 
Don't say, Lord, I'm only going to ask you if you answer me in a certain way. I'm only going to ask you if you give me a certain response. I'm actually going to ask you because I want your input. Whatever that input is. I want your input even if it sounds hard. Even if it tastes bitter. Even if it's not maybe what I would have chosen for myself. But I want what you're going to give me. Because I trust you and I believe in you. So all of this concept of making decisions, prayer, expectation, comes down to trust. Do I trust God enough to leave myself in His hand and to allow Him to choose for me? I hope so. Because, again, my favorite verse that I keep throwing at you all the time, where does it come from? Jeremiah 29.11 For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you future and a hope. It seems like I throw this verse into everything. Because I, I like it. It's true. It's how I feel. It's how we should all feel. It's how we should feel because if I really place myself in God's hands and I believe truly that his thoughts towards me are of peace and not evil and he really wants to give me future and hope then why would I fear, why would I be anxious? Why would I feel anxiety towards anything? Why would I refer to myself? Remember St. Augustine? He said, without you, what am I to myself except a guide to my own self-destruction? Lord, I could be a guide to my own self-destruction, but if your will for me is good and not evil, is future and hope, then I will take yours over mine any day. But it takes patience. It takes patience to know that I may not get it immediately, and again, if at all. We sometimes imprison ourselves through our own decision-making process. We, we hold ourselves captive. We, we try to do things, we ask for things, and we make our joy conditional on a result. You want an exam, if you don't pass the exam, you're not going to be happy. If you want that job, if you don't get it, you're not going to be happy. You want that relationship, you don't get it, you're not going to be happy. We make it conditional. And the conditional way of doing that means that I sometimes will run a 50-50 chance I'm not going to be happy. Sometimes it's a 90-10 chance I'm not going to be happy. But if I am with God, and I love Him, and I understand Him, and I'm aware of His love for me, and I'm confident of that, why would He not give me? So rather than making my happiness conditional on a result, why don't I commit my whole journey to God, my path to Him, so He blesses it, 
And so that it's a joyful journey. It's not just a series of dots where I'm going to make decisions. It's actually a full journey. There's a difference. If I'm living my life as a full journey, I'm enjoying my whole life. The good with the bad, the successes and the failures, the ups and the downs, it all becomes joyful because it all it revolves around God. But if my life becomes a series of decisions, where I need to make this decision, do I make it right, do I make it wrong, tick, go on to the next one, crossed and go down the other way, it becomes this flow chart of, of, of maybe good, maybe bad, maybe happy, maybe sad, or you know, go left if you get one result and right if you go to the other, then I feel it will always be uncertain. I want to close with a reassuring statement from St. John Chrysostom that reassures us that if we really place ourselves in his hands fully, completely, if we really trust him and entrust our way to him, let him bless our path, do our thinking, do our deliberation, again, do all of that prayerfully, but then commit ourselves, we realize that we're in very safe hands. St. John Chrysostom says, God loves us more than a father, a mother, a friend, even more than we are able to love ourselves. Because sometimes we'll do things that harm ourselves. But God will never do things to harm us. So we need to always make sure that our decisions are along a journey that is with a God who loves us more than we even love ourselves. He, who knows what we want, sometimes even more than we know ourselves, and who is ready to give us anything, anything that is good for us, even if we don't know it, even if we don't see it, even if we don't expect it, but that which is good for us, that will lead us not only to happiness in this life, but above all, to a greater happiness and a greater presence in His presence, in His kingdom, and glory be to God forever. Amen.